0: Hi, I'm Simon Worthington, and this is the Belfast Design Week podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Kainos. Kenos is a company that develops digital technology that helps people work smarter, better, and faster. They do this by creating bespoke solutions for public and private organizations across the world, building innovative software platforms that make life easier for clients, including the DVSA, the NHS, and Netflix. By following a user-centered approach, Kinos delivers services that meet the needs, expectations, and behaviors of their users. Their user research and insight allow them to truly understand their clients and define appropriate solutions. Year on year, Kinos' design capability is growing and works so well because they combine their design experience with wider technical capabilities, working quickly and collaboratively to turn insights, concepts, and designs into practical solutions. Each year at Belfast Design Week, we employ a theme to challenge ourselves to think about different aspects of design. In 2018, our theme was Future Heritage, which sparked a fascinating discussion amongst designers of all disciplines about Belfast, as a design city, what it's like in its current condition, and what the city could become. This year, the theme for Belfast Design Week is Power, and throughout this podcast miniseries, we invite you to consider what that means to you and your work, be it the power dynamic that shapes the design industry. The power of effective and beautiful design, or the negatives and positives of struggling with our own sense of powerfulness. In this mini-series, we'll get to know the people behind some of the most fascinating design happening in Ireland today, and listen to their stories, experiences, and ideas. We want to use the power of their stories to teach us all something new, to appreciate and learn more about the design industry, as when you're a designer you never stop learning. Whether you work on UX, graphic design, or illustration and hand lettering. There's always something new to learn. Our guest today is Bruna Smith, a consultant user researcher at Canoss. With a degree in psychology and business, Bruna has spent the last eight years conducting research into a wide range of user groups, providing insights to ensure that products and services are designed to have a positive impact on customers and audiences. Bruna is passionate about exploring human emotion and behavioral science focusing on how technology can be used to create an ethical future. She currently works on large digital transformation projects for clients in the public sector. Bruno, welcome to the show. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about your role at K-NOS.
1: Um, Okay, so I am a user researcher at K-NOS, Um So I'm part of the design capability, um, which is still quite young in Kainos and we're still kind of growing um, and we have lots of different people. So there's researchers like me, there's content designers, um, service designers, visual designers, um, experienced strategists, there's this whole wide range of, of different people. Um, and we've got, all got lots of kind of varied backgrounds. Um, so my role uh, specifically is more about understanding um, the people that are actually using our products um, and services, uh, any issues that they might be having. Also trying to understand like the different contexts that they might be using things in. So, you know, we're we're building technology that might start to be used on a bus versus in an office and all that kind of thing. So understanding things about that and also understanding the different moods people might be in when they're using things. And um, so really trying to get to grips with all of that different stuff, like someone can be in a really good mood and have all the time in the world to look at something one day. And the next day they could be in a really bad mood or be in a real rush. And their experience of using that is completely different. And so my role is to kind of look at all those different bits and pieces and figure out how we can kind of make the best thing. And um, so that involves lots of different different types of research. I might be uh, doing surveys. I might be watching people kind of using our services or I might be actually bringing out prototypes that the designers have kind of developed and figuring out what people are liking about those or not liking. Um, so it does, it gets to be pretty creative. You get to do a lot of different things and, um, you kind of get to see quite quickly the work you're doing is having like an, an impact on, on things and things being designed. So it's pretty cool in that way.
0: So you're kind of like the hinge between Kinos and the the client then?
1: Yeah, yeah, the client and the people using the client's services. So, so with Canos, we tend to be out with a um, a customer who will say to us, okay, we want you to help us design this service or this thing. Um, and as well as speaking to the customer themselves to understand, okay, what does the business actually want um, and how can Canos kind of help to deliver that. I'm also then going out to the people that will be, the kind of end users of that service and that product to understand what's the best thing for them. So there's a lot of kind of coming to different um, compromises with the business and getting their needs right and talking to the technology guys about what the kind of feasibility of different options are. And then for me, really bringing that user voice through of, okay, well, how is this actually going to have a positive impact on people that are going to be using it?
0: There's a lot of psychology in that then.
1: Lots of psychology. (laughs)
0: And you My studied favorite. and you studied psychology as well as art, creativity, and business at university. I did. What led yeah. you into that degree?
1: Um so well, I would say that it was definitely not some sort of master plan <laughs> that came about from young age or anything like that. Um for me, I felt very much like when I was leaving school, there was sort of a okay, if you're good at sciencey stuff, you'll do medicine. If you're good at Englishy stuff, you'll do law. And I didn't feel kind of like either of those was really for me. And psychology probably came from more of a kind of clinically place. And so I'd had friends, family members with different kind of mental health things going on. My grandpa had dementia from when I was really young. And I just was really intrigued with how the brain actually works and so that kind of led me into that in terms of business, and um, my dad's a, a bit of a businessman. Um, he has some bars and stuff, and that and his kind of entrepreneur side got me interested in that. And to be honest, as I was doing psychology, they allowed me to do another module in business. So it kind of was just a, oh, I'll try that, and I just absolutely loved it. Um, and then later on, I got into the kind of arts and creativity side of things. Um and that was sort of with that being in the bars and stuff I'd always worked at music festivals and all that kind of thing and when I was young I was in like samba bands and marching up the street and on stilts and stuff and so that was always a thing that I loved and I kind of felt like that was the whole like sensory kind of experience stuff was really interesting to me I kind of felt like there was a lot there that could there was kind of an area that was going to become quite big, and I wanted to sort of get in there on that, so I, I jumped into that. I have learned a lot from being in jobs. Um, obviously, university is all about theory, really, and well, from for me, it was until the final year, really, when we did a big kind of psychology dissertation, final project thing. Up until that point, it was largely theory um, and I felt like I knew a lot, like I knew how things worked. I understood a lot about the brain. <laughs> I understood things like because I'd studied business with it, I understood about branding and I understood about how you could design shops to draw people through them and, and all that sort of stuff. But I don't think until you're really in a role, you you don't get that full experience, I guess, of how it all works. And I think, you know, I remember I wrote up a project that I did in my first role. So I've been working there probably a couple of months. And I went to my manager, Angela Oakes, (laughs) my first mentor. (laughs) Um, And I brought her this kind of like, I think it was about five pages of solid writing all about this product is going to do this because and it was supposed to be read by these really senior people in this massive company and i brought them brought her this and she was just like nobody is going to read that <laughs> and, and and you're sort of like oh well my heart's a bit broken because i worked really hard on that and i also did something similar whenever i did my first presentation in that company i read it to someone beforehand and she just tore it to shreds and was like no that's not because you do have to think about your audience and it's all very well knowing the theory of stuff, but nobody in a business cares about (laughs) you, you. what knowledge you have. It's not about showing off your knowledge. It's about getting the end results for them. And in some circumstances you will have that chance to talk about your knowledge and talk about the theory of things, but in a fast paced business, which we're in, you have to be able to cut through that and kind of set your pride aside and and be willing to just say, actually, this is the stuff that's important to you and get that, get that out there. So I think theory wise, yes, I left university feeling like I knew my stuff. Um, Saying that though, a lot has changed in that time. That was like nine years ago now, (laughs) which is depressing. But a lot has changed, so I certainly don't think that I haven't learned any theory since then and that I, you still are learning loads now, all the time.
0: So, mm. It certainly sounds like you're making good use of it at Kinos. It seems like that role is perfect for what you've studied. Yeah. How do... So I suppose the way you were talking earlier about trying to speak to the end user mm-hmm. and understand how the service that Kainos provides works for them, yeah. I suppose it's almost like empathy in a way you have to understand put yourself in their shoes and then the psychology element as well um but also it's, it's a very it seemed like a very creative role yeah. so in your opinion how does the psychology creativity and business intermingle
1: yeah um yeah i do i think they're very much kind of all very much intertwined which i probably didn't realize whenever i was kind of getting into all of this it, it has just kind of all melded together for me which is good but I think in terms of, of the sort of psychology of things. Um, and you, if you look at the world, we're quite like, we're quite hedonistic in terms of, we always want more. Um, and I think that's quite evident in like the art. So if you think about like a scary movie and once upon a time you'd watch a scary movie and be terrified, you, you see it a couple of times, you need more fear and with the arts that's kind of resulted in people wanting to be more and more immersed in things um, and with that there's like a bit of a kind of how does psychology play with people's minds in that way and keep people really engaged. So you go from watching a scary movie to now you can go and be terrified for four hours running around an abandoned building with like zombies chasing after you and then you've got like Darren Brown who's hypnotising or or playing with people's minds and using psychology to trick people into thinking there actually is a, a zombie apocalypse. Um, and I actually think there is kind of big, big business in that. Um you look at things here in Belfast, like Culture Night, um, and just the sheer volume of people that like are am- am- mass in Belfast, um, and business is literally booming on those nights, and um, people just want to get a glimpse of that kind of performance and be involved in things. Um, and I think for a lot of kind of the arts and creativity side of things that artists need to be able to make money to be able to, whether it be from getting funding for things um, or getting audiences to to pay to come in, that there needs to be that background there. And so psychology and business kind of intertwine with that to to get that in, to get people to actually be drawn in and to allow artists to keep that going and to allow creativity to keep Providing things, and I also think that technology is now starting to have more and more of an impact on that. As we do get more to the kind of immersive side of things, there are really cool things happening. And I think if you think about things like young kids with maybe sensory disorders um, to older people with dementia and all those kind of things, I think there's so much that could be done around all that stuff. Um, with how creativity is shown to actually help those people's lives and make things better. And now you've got tech coming in to make all these experiences even better. I think we can do so much and, and the psychology of understanding how all that can impact people. It's really, it's really important mm-hmm. And to come about. I saw the other day, actually there was um, an advertisement for a Samsung thing that has come along and they are based, they've made this app for deaf blind people. And so instead of, communicating by voice or by reading text messages, the phone vibrates, like it actually vibrates and people that haven't been able to communicate with their families and stuff and, and they're not able to because of this, like it it, it can be used so much. And I think tech has this, we're on this real verge of like there's so much good that could come from it. And we also know there's so much bad that can come from it. And I think really understanding people and keeping that humanity of things is really important and making sure we, do go towards a real ethical kind of future and and use that tech for the right things.
0: And where does Canos fit in on that?
1: Well, I'd like to think that kanos is helping with that in that they are really focused on on that kind of user. And I even think the word user is a bit of a funny one because you're like, they're not like a commodity, <laughs> but it, it's kind of the term that does get used. And, um, Canos is very much focusing on, uh, the, the, sort of design and inclusivity. We've just got new, in, um, in inclusivity experts, um, who've just joined the team and are really focusing in on accessibility stuff. Um, there's a lot of things that are kind of guidelines for design and that sort of thing to meet like a basic standard, but, um, think we want to go above and beyond I think everyone knows we can do better than that and I think we should be doing better than that. Um and I think Kenos is kind of excited by that. And I also think, you know, we've got a new capability, the AI capability, and I think there's gonna be a massive amount of stuff that can be done um with those guys. And I think generally if you come to Kenos working there with a really good idea, they're willing to to kind of give you a bit of time and let you explore that. So yeah.
0: Tell us a little bit about your day to day.
1: Um day to day in Kenya is very different <laughs> every day. So I think for me well because I am out with the users um so much, I do a lot of traveling. So kind of research days involve early morning flights and um get into a location and probably spend in a, an hour I might do between like four and six sessions per day and um, they might be an hour might be two hours depending on what we're actually um, researching and have a bit of time in between those to do a bit of analysis around it so that's kind of when i'm on research i'll also be on the client site for a few days um, probably once a month for maybe three days that sort of that sort of time and that's really important time for getting stuff back to the team so at that point i'm kind of showing them what the latest research has shown and um, trying to figure out what should be prioritized, what we should do next. Um, and also figuring out what, what questions there still are, what sort of business needs there are and what we should actually focus on next. So that takes up most of the days when I'm on client site and then probably in the days when I'm in Belfast, which isn't that often. Um, I'm always in Belfast kind of Monday, Friday. Um, and that's a, lot, that's a lot of the time when I can really get stuck into doing the proper analysis of the research coming up with user journeys and different artifacts that the team can use and refer to writing reports, that sort of thing. Um, And then the other thing we do is on a Friday, pretty much well, probably about half the day is kind of dedicated to uh, meeting up with the rest of the design capability. So everyone from all different projects kind of gets together Um, and that's a good time for us to sort of share ideas, share war stories and, and all that kind of stuff. And and it's kind of a a good way to keep in touch and make sure that you're kind of following all the right things, doing the right things, and a good time to get advice and stuff. So it's a pretty, it's pretty changeable, um, but it's really interesting. Good fun.
0: In your opinion, what are the hallmarks of good user experience?
1: Um, so this is, uh, funny one i think so i think that we have kind of got into a bit of a rut recently which is that everything's focused around usability let's make this really easy to use and let's make it really efficient to use um and there's this sort of feeling that that correlates with uh users being happy and with the product being good or a service being good. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I think there's a lot of more complex factors in there. And um, one example, I'm talking uh, to on my current project at the minute, we're dealing with people who as part of their job are making pretty complex decisions and they're really satisfied by that. They want to be using their brains in that way to um, solve these problems uh, and there's this real boundary to be treaded between making a system that's very efficient and easy to use versus still having that autonomy to make those decisions. They don't want to just be clicking buttons. They want to be really thinking and all that sort of thing. So I actually think that a good user experience is like not really just, you shouldn't be designing an experience for a user, I think you should be designing like a relationship with that user. And I think in that way it becomes quite easy to think about what's good because you think about what's good in a good relationship and you think about things like understanding them and you think about like mutual respect and being aware of their boundaries and not intruding where you're not wanted. And, um, and them enjoying it and having fun and being satisfied. All those things, being able to trust you and being honest with them. All that stuff all leads to a good all round experience. And so I think that's that's the way I'd rather think of it rather than just we're creating an experience for them. It's something we're doing with them and we need their help to make this as positive as it can be.
0: Bearing that in mind, then what would you say is the impact of your role?
1: So I think there's a, a few things. In terms of the impact of the role, I think you do see kind of an immediate impact of some of the things that you come back to the team with and you're able to say, this needs fixed, let's fix it now. And you see people instantly having a better time using the thing and you're like, okay, that's good. But I actually think a big part of a user researcher role is in how you can share your insights with your team. And um, I think ultimately... I'm going to be out a lot of the time doing research and there will be people back on the client site or or here in Belfast making decisions. And for me, it's important that I've got across the user's point of view to the point where I don't, I'm not always there and people are always thinking in their heads, but wait, what would the users, um, would they like this? That sort of, that sort of thing. I think people are really busy and the dev guys are sitting at the computers really working so hard and they don't have time to take in big massive reports or any of that stuff. So you need to be quite creative in how you get your insights back to people and get them to really empathize with the users. And once you can kind of get them to empathize with the users and feel that all the time, then that's when you've really had that proper impact that when it comes to the decision between a business need and a user need and their doors have to be compromised and there will be times when <laughs> the business has to, has to win out. But if you've got people there fighting that corner for the users, then it's more likely that better decisions are going to be made all around. So I think that's when you have a real impact when you can have that effect on the team and get them all involved in thinking about the user.
0: And in terms of your impact on your clients, Suppose, in a way, when they see you, you represent Kianos. Yeah. How does that feel?
1: Uh, Scary. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, it feels like I've I enjoy working with customers, loads, and with with the clients, and really trying to understand because as well, it's about understanding their needs. Um, I think you do know that you can have quite a a big impact and an influence on decisions that they're going to make and that is going to reflect on kianos as well so you do have to present yourself and and be confident in knowing what you're doing and and i think everyone that i work with is really working really hard nobody's kind of skimping on the effort that they're putting in so i think you just want to come across to the customers that we know what we're doing and, and we do and we work really hard to make sure we're on top of that. Um, but I also think we've got a really good team around us. Um, so you never feel like you're on your own facing a customer or a client or if anything did go wrong, we're all kind of working together and everyone's making decisions together. So it's not like you're left on your own or anything like that. It's good.
0: Speaking of teams, do you have a mentor? at can um, or do you think mentorship is important?
1: Um, so I wouldn't say I have one specific mentor. I think for me in all all of my roles really, since probably leaving university, like I remember my first boss, Angela Oakes, and she was just wonderful and dressed really impressively and um and I remember her kind of saying things like it doesn't just come easy, and about how hard she had to work to be able to work on these really creative things and stuff. And but I think for me, it's less about having one specific person, and um, and more we work really closely with our capability in Canas. So on every project, you'll have kind of other people to talk to. So I've worked with loads of people who have all offered me advice, and I think that's the thing. It's like building up a network of people that you can turn to for that advice or for critiquing and, and kind of feel safe to to work with them. And I also think probably one thing that's good in Canos is there is a lot of sort of peer review type stuff. So in that Friday session when we're all together, it's not like it always needs to be someone more senior than you to learn from them. Like you speak to your peers and everyone has different experiences and there's so much to be learned. So I think for me, yeah, it's more about having that kind of wide-ranging network of people that you can turn to rather than having one specific person.
0: Like More like a culture of... Yeah, everyone, like a culture of... And,
1: and feeling safe to do that, not feeling like you're going to be judged or um, turned against. I feel like I should also say my mum and dad are my mentors or something like that. <laughs> that will be pleased.
0: <laughs> um, you spoke a little bit earlier about how when people interact with services, mm. they don't want to just be clicking buttons, they want to be challenged. And I suppose that's maybe where AI would come in mm. or where a lot of people have marked that AI will come in. Is AI something that people should be excited about?
1: I've actually just started doing um, AI camp in Cannos, So Canos has just launched this and it's like a 13 week course to learn about AI. Um some of it is totally over my head because we're talking about coding and all this stuff. And, and that's not something that I've ever done before. But when you look at it and some of the opportunities that are out there already, um, I think definitely people, cause it, it touch every single aspect of your life. Really. I know lots of different clients are already starting to think about where it could go and what they could do with it. Um, but I do think that that's where we're at that turning point and um, you don't want to end up in the next generation being the generation that ruined the world through technology, rather than the generation that ruined the world through fossil fuels or whatever. You know, I think we do have to try and figure out where the boundaries are and try and make sure that we're going down an ethical route. And it's it's hard because like there's a, a program on Netflix called Abstract. Um, and I watched an episode of it the other day and it was the guy, um, Ian Spaulding, I want to say.
0: It's the show about design, isn't yes. it? Yes.
1: Sorry. Yes. It's, a, it's kind of all different types of design, quite broad ranging, but this specific episode was, was dealing with tech. So it was talking about Instagram and how it came about, but they interviewed a the guy in it and he was the person that invented the infinite scroll. So Oh, you, you know, you scroll down and you never reach the end of the page, and he was talking. It was so willed. <laughs> like his thought was, you know, why am I asking people to click a button to say they want to see more if they're scrolling down that far and they they do want to see more? So I shouldn't be asking them the question. Um, and he says now that he feels like he should ask for forgiveness for that because he is responsible for hundreds and thousands of hours wasted by people just scrolling and scrolling because they've taken away that, that cue to stop scrolling. Um, and I thought that was really interesting because there's no maliciousness there <laughs> at all, obviously. And I think that's where we need to be careful with the AI to make sure we're looking at all those things. And again, it's looking at the humanity of stuff and making sure that we think about that side of things and, and keep that in mind when we're coming up with these cool new things.
0: For sure. So outside of work, you watch documentaries about design <laughs> and about tech.
1: <laughs> Only sometimes when I'm not watching Friends on a Repeat or something.
0: <laughs> what else keeps you inspired creatively?
1: Um, well, just probably an obvious thing is a travel <laughs> answer, but I have traveled quite a lot and done a couple of the sort of big been away for about 6 months kind of each time and I do think that, that really does open your mind loads you meet people from so many different lives um and in terms of actually just opening your mind and that inspiring you is massive but also I do love going to festivals and carnivals and all that kind of thing be it in other cities or in Belfast I find when you're away in other cities and things and you see things like that going on, you tend to be like, oh, I'd love to do this in Belfast or how could I, how could we use that over here and that sort of thing. Um, so a lot of that, I do watch a lot of <laughs> Netflix things and documentaries and stuff, probably listen to too many podcasts. Um, but also just being out and about in Belfast, I think Um, there's loads of gigs and things happening here and. Um, even just being in the bars and restaurants and seeing all those and that there's loads of new things opening all the time and just getting out there and seeing what's happening I think was always quite inspiring. So
0: UX or user experience is now a widely used term in the design industry but what does it mean to you and your role?
1: Yes so I mean it's it's a really massive term and I think that you can see that in the the range of roles in the area so it kind of stretches across so much stuff and there's so many people from different backgrounds working in experience design and user experience. Um, for me, an experience isn't, the user experience isn't just about a website or a system that you're developing. It's everything around that. So an experience starts from the very first touchpoint that a user ever has um, right to when they've finished using it are done with it, thrown it out um, and are maybe even telling someone else about it. That whole thing has to be considered. I think if you think about user experience, basically everyone is using a product or a service for a purpose, for a goal, even if that goal is ultimately to waste some time, it's still a goal and you have to consider that there's going to be a lot more going on than just this little web page that you (laughs) that you might have worked on um. so for me we have to think about all sorts of things that are going on both online and also offline what are people doing around that too Um. so I think probably it's uh, to me it's more clear when you talk about physical products than it is when you talk about the kind of services and software things that we're building but like I have a Chili's bottle in front of me and if you look at it i spent 25 pounds on a water bottle like that's crazy to me <laughs> but that is a full journey and you from the first time i heard about Chili's bottles and probably had very little interest in them to seeing advertisements to hearing other people talking about them to seeing people using them and um, to that that point when I came to a decision that I was going to buy a chilies bottle to when I actually bought it and it comes in this lovely box and you feel really nice having that and it looks really nice and the feeling of holding it and um, what it actually works like does it actually keep the water cold for me I really hate like it, it like it makes this real squeaky noise when you open it like <laughs> It's really squeaky and that really annoys me because it tends to be like I'm in a yoga class and (laughs) I'm at the point where I feel like I'm going to collapse and this room is perfectly silent and I just open my chilies bottle and everyone knows that I'm about to collapse (laughs) and it's embarrassing and it's noisy. Um, And all that context really kind of adds to it. Um, To the point where one day my chili bottle will get thrown out and I'll not use it anymore. So I think that all those different aspects and it's the same with any sort of service that anyone's using, you have to think about every single point of that um, and think about the context of it because that noisy lid wouldn't bother me if I was on a noisy train or something. So I think that's where you start to look at the whole experience. So what is this user going to be doing when they're using your software? Where are they going to be? How are they going to be feeling? All of that's really important and it's it's a whole thing, not just a little thing.
0: (laughs) And How important is psychology to good experiential or service design?
1: Well, I think the big thing about psychology in design is probably biases is the first thing that jumps to mind. and probably me being biased, as we'll say, it's really important. (laughs) But I think it is definitely true.
0: You mean like unconscious bias?
1: Yeah, unconscious bias. um, And that comes from everywhere. So. As a as a researcher, it would be very easy to I've spoken to loads of people and I kind of understand this project I'm I've got this idea in my head of what the people want. It is so easy to go in there and know what you want to hear and it is very easy for someone sitting opposite you to pick up what you want them to say and to say it so there's bias everywhere and being aware of it is probably one of the only things we can do to actually prevent it because you can't biases are there you cannot get rid of them but Being really aware of them helps to kind of minimise the impact of them. So being able to go into a session and step away from your bias and go in there and think, actually, this person could want something completely different to me (laughs) and be really open to that and also to be able to then take their answers and what they say and be aware that actually that person that you're researching with knows that you're in some way connected to this project. And so they have this natural bias towards pleasing you and saying what you want them to say so you really have to look underneath what they're saying that's why we spend so much time really watching what they're actually doing we don't just ask them a question at the end well how did you find that because they'll say something completely different to what you actually see when you're watching them do that thing and so it's it's really important in that sense it's also really important to be able to go back to the team and talk to them and get to the real problems because you will go back to a team and you can say one thing and someone will grasp onto that and that's their answer so you need to have that kind of know that everyone's driven by different motivations in the team and has different underlying things going on and cognitive stuff happening um, and be able to hone in on that and really get to the underlying problems so that you can get the best solution. And then I think the third bit of having psychology in there is the actual design itself, like from where a button's placed and to where it's going to get the most attention to where people are going to be looking more and to how people are going to feel when they actually use the thing. That's all about psychology too. And you know, there's courses all about how that can work and how you can apply different psychological principles to the different designs. So it it's literally through every single bit of it and it's really important um, and useful <laughs> and interesting so
0: and tech is a global industry mm-hmm. so there is work available worldwide. Do you enjoy being based in Belfast?
1: Yeah, I do. I do love it and to be honest, there was a while there where I, I came back from being over Well, I was over in England and I moved home. Um, and I did struggle for a while. It was a bit of a shock to me. Um, because I think some business here can be quite, um, it's less, it is less global, it's more kind of small, I guess. Um, I found in jobs that there was maybe not as much of an emphasis on the actual people working there. Like it it was very much like get your work done and no, nothing put into, you know, enjoyment or satisfaction of the employees. So it kind of that that was a bit of a struggle for me and I kind of come back to that in a bit of a shock, but I think that is changing. And with Kainos that's very much a, a different story. I mean, they are very much focused on making sure that we're all um, happy and looked after and uh, they put on loads of good social things for us and all that. And I think it's an exciting time to be in Belfast because it is massively changing um, and I love it here and I wouldn't want to go anywhere else. No, <laughs> I think I would like to see more opportunities here for people to be, based here and stay here and to be working for on clients that were here and that sort of thing but I think that needs a lot of investment and we'll see.
0: So what are your thoughts on Belfast as a design city?
1: Um, So I think everywhere you look in Belfast you can kind of see the signs that there's so much creativity here. I mean even right now we're sitting in this office for there's loads of people working out there doing really cool creative things um even you look on the streets the murals and the graffiti to the range of bars and restaurants that are popping up everywhere to the architecture on the streets like there's so much um that is there um, and even companies like canos that are that are coming about more and more um i think that shows that the people are here and the skills are here Um, and we have the makings of being a design city. Um, But I think it's still very young (laughs) and I think it probably needs more support. Um, I know for me one thing that I find is with traveling quite a bit, I'd be over in England during the week quite often and maybe miss out when there are things happening some evenings and things here, there might be meetups and things that you don't get to see so much of. Um so I think it could be more of a community and I think things like Belfast Design Week and all that that kind of thing will it it helps that and it gives that more visibility. Um I do think ultimately there needs to be more kind of support thrown in this direction and for people to be able to to encourage those skilled people that are here and the creative people that are here to stay here and to turn it into a design city because it definitely has the makings of it
0: and within Canos and also beyond Canos in Belfast is there the makings of a design community do you think
1: yeah well I think in Canos definitely um I mean it's it is still growing um and there are still challenges to that in terms of people being kind of located in different places and all that sort of thing. But, you know, the more that you're talking to people the more that you're sharing ideas, you're naturally getting a a community. And I think that is something in Belfast. and, And like I say, kind of probably I miss out on some stuff, but I think if there was more events happening, um, I want to say on Fridays and things but I don't, I don't know I'm just like well, when can we when can we all meet up um I know there's loads of design people here but I would love to be more involved in that more widely than within just Kenos, because I think everyone's working on such vastly different projects and design is so vast that there's so many different experiences to get um, and I would like to see more of it um but hopefully, it is something that's coming, and Belfast just, we always like to be a wee bit slow about things. So,
0: <laughs> the theme this year for Belfast Design Week is power. In the context of design and your work specifically, what does this theme mean to you?
1: So, the word power, first of all, is a bad choice of word for Northern Ireland people, (laughs) like power, (laughs) power. (laughs) Um, We can't say it. it. Um, No, I think in terms of my work, I think we are, I mean, design is empowering people really is the kind of push behind it. We have got all this great tech coming along and, and things are changing pretty quickly and on the one hand, you could sit back and let that just happen and not let people have a say in it. So I think what we're doing is actually giving people that power to stand up and say, well, actually, how do we want this technology to work for us? How can it help improve our lives? And so it is empowering people in that way. It's also, I mean, kind of touched on accessibility and inclusivity. Um, But technology is helping people who might not have had such an easy time, um to do more things, and um, it's opening up people's lives in quite a bit and giving people power in that way. Um, and then I think on the other side of that, there is this uh, power in terms of <laughs> being a researcher or a designer, or anyone involved in in designing these services and things is that they they will have an impact on people's lives no matter how big or small they will have an impact and that could be good or bad and i think we have to be respectful of the fact that there is a level of power there and use it right and and make good decisions and talk to people to make sure that we are making the right decisions and making good decisions and yeah i think Power is a good thing and a bad thing and I think everyone's seen what too much power in the wrong places can do bad things and so I think it's important that you know we're all good people (laughs) Um, and try to use our power right. Make them be superpowers not evil powers.
0: (laughs) Bruna thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me it's been really good really enjoyed it so thanks.
0: this mini-series was written and developed for Belfast Design Week, which runs from the 4th to the 10th of November. If you'd like to find out more about the festival, its events and opportunities, you can find us at BelfastDesignWeek.com. Thank you to Sean from Radio YMP and Matthew from the Best of Belfast podcast for letting us use their studios for this mini-series. Thank you also to Nathaniel Myers, who wrote, performed and recorded the music for this series. This podcast was a collaboration between Turf and Green and Belfast Design Week, and produced by myself, Simon Worthington, Ruin Lunny, and Krish Kursakar for Belfast Design Week 2019. See you at Design Week.